This episode of The Sweaty Penguin is brought to you by Gas Station Sushi. Want to spend $15 on rancid fish that might actually be horse? Try Gas Station Sushi today. Welcome to this week's bonus episode of The Sweaty Penguin, Antarctica's hottest podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Brown. We are joined today by three of our team members, Owen Reith, Melina Wynn, and Megan Antone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Ethan. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. So I want to ask you all a little bit about how you got here, what you've been up to, share that with our audience, and then we will obviously do our kahoot i'll start with i think melina joined the team first out of this group Uh, melina do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do yeah hi guys um my name is melina win i'm the journalist at the sweaty penguin i also help manage the website and do web postings and episode postings as well i've also been helping with the guest bios so that we can help spotlight some of the people that we're inviting to the show um so yeah that's my role here yeah, we are all journalists on the show, but Melina is the only actual journalist by training, I think. Melina, do you want to share a bit about what you do outside of the Sweaty Penguin? Obviously, you're studying journalism at BU and all that. Um, yeah, so I actually major in journalism, and I also minor in statistics. So out of everyone here, like I'm probably the least funny person, but I love laughing at the episodes that we do here at the Sweaty Penguin, but I am more involved in other serious things outside of campus like I interned for the marketing department at my school so it's always great to be at Sweaty Penguin actually relax for once. Well I can guarantee you're not the least funny person here when I called to give your job offer I got your voicemail which was the uh, Minions song from Despicable Me so (laughs) that was comedy right off the bat. Owen do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Owen. Um, I'm an executive producer with the Sweaty Penguin. Um, I live up in Canada. I think I'm the only team member in Canada at the moment. Um, I joined back in June of 2022. After seeing some advertisements on Instagram and following the page for a while, I decided to apply for a position of business consultant back then. Yeah, and that position was very ill-defined and turned into a lot more. You've been able to contribute with research, with business, with a whole bunch of stuff. You want to talk a little bit first about how you got into the environmental world? I started running my own Instagram page, kind of focused on environmental solutions and stuff like that. I was trying to do posts and whatnot. In university, I also studied a little bit of environmental science courses and social science courses that were focused in that area. Um, So that kind of built me up a little background. I'm currently studying a Bachelor's of Commerce at the University of Victoria. Awesome. And then how do you feel like your business skills have kind of come in at the Sweaty Penguin too? I think it's helped a lot on back-end stuff. I help do a lot of deliverables and run some meetings that we have. I've worked a little bit with everything on the back-end kind of thing that happens. You do accounting and lots of helpful stuff. Um Megan, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Megan Antone. I'm the sound editor at The Sweaty Penguin. Very excited to be here. I don't often go to meetings with you guys, so this is so fun. 
I just started at the Sweaty Penguin in September. I found out about the job on Instagram because I follow the Sweaty Penguin and I've also been a fan for a while. I went to college with Ethan as well as many of the people who work on the Sweaty Penguin. And I remember I, Maddie Schmidt, who's one of the producers, put it on her Instagram story and I swiped up and said, am I too old to apply for this? <laughs> um, and she said, no, you're not too old to apply for this. So I did. And now I'm here. And I was very excited. I was a film and television major. So that's kind of where I got my sound editing experience. And I've been doing that ever since. I currently work at NBC. And Sweaty Penguin is my five to nine. Some people go to Soul Cycle. I edit Ethan for hours on it. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And I was so excited you applied. Megan and I go way back we lived on the same floor of warren towers freshman year we co-wrote a film together in a what was it 72 hour film or 48 hour yeah we did a 48 hour film competition and we wrote a really really weird short film <laughs> it was super fun though that we did that together and i think it even got a shout out at it didn't win but it got an honorable mention shout out for weirdest sleep deprived <laughs> definitely don't google red marble theorem um do not do that and then don't watch it don't tell your friends to watch <laughs> so all three of you kind of have very different roles on the team but all very much involved in the production of these episodes and our content i'm curious and i guess you guys can chime in whenever you want what would you say maybe your biggest takeaway from being on The Sweaty Penguin has been? For me, I think it's been how much is really going on in the environmental world and with climate change and everything like that. Something that I hadn't learned or like been taught a lot of the times in my classes was the solution side of climate change. Lots of what I've learned in the past was always based around what's happening and what's going to happen um, and never about what we can do about uh, to stop that kind of stuff and like the sweaty penguin has taught me so much about that and it brings into actual conversations in my daily life being on the sweaty penguin and being in the backseat of climate change talk almost every single week has really helped me like as an individual just realize what's going on around me especially when we all have school and work and you don't really get to think about that being on the sweaty penguin team has also helped me learn a lot about teamwork and communication it's kind of been the first job that I've ever had I consider this like the first job I've ever had so being with people that are really passionate about this one topic has really helped me as well I feel like I'm echoing but truly the sweaty penguin for me has also made me realize it actually is not hard to be informed of course, we're doing so much work by we, I mean, especially the researchers, we're doing so much work to make sure our information is accurate so we can tell other people what's accurate. But if you're a listener, you know, hop on an episode of the Sweaty Penguin, you're going to learn more about carbon bombs than you ever thought you could know in 45 minutes. So I think for me, editing the Sweaty Penguin and something, when I tell coworkers, friends, family, oh, listen to the podcast, it's very palatable way to learn about climate change, which can be a very overwhelming subject especially with so much in the news. It's a great way to be like, oh, I'm informed about the environment, but I don't feel like I've just spent hours in an internet hole and I'm depressed by the amount that's going on in the world. Yeah, I think as we've gone, I've continued to appreciate more and more 
I think it was Farah from the Solutions Journalism Network that used the phrase journalistic rigor that we have, but at the same time, there is the solutions bent to it, and we try to make it a little less overwhelming, and I'm so encouraged more and more by how people have responded to that. To that end, these are kind of opportunities on the bonus episode to reflect back on some of the things we've accomplished recently, and I think this time we maybe have more than any other in the past. We just received the Signal Listener's Choice Award for 2022, which was amazing, even though I'm still salty we didn't defeat Kate Blanchett. <laughs> that was internally a goal of ours, but that's okay. And we also were chosen for the Solutions Journalism Network inaugural Climate Beacon Newsroom Initiative, which has been an incredible experience thus far. We'll be with a group of other newsrooms, really impressive group, including Grist, Sacramento Bee, Washington Informer, Telemundo, amazing group of people that I'm excited to get to know. So I'm curious how you've seen the team evolve over that time. I'm the newest team member here, and I think one of the relatively newer just overall. And I think we've really taken on this attitude going into the new year in December of this started as a podcast that was fun. It was amongst friends. It was college. And now we're professional. We're an organization. We're getting business done. (laughs) You know, this idea that it can be so much more than just a few friends editing episodes and putting them out on Spotify. So that's been very exciting to see this idea that it can be so much more and winning the Signal Listeners Award, even being nominated and then joining this newsroom, I feel like is such proof of how we're growing as individuals, but then as a team as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely been a months long process. I mean, this shift has gone back to maybe last May of changing our attitude and figuring out what that looks like. And I've felt very fortunate to have all of our team members be so receptive to it. I thought that it would be a lot more challenging to get people to have that mindset shift. And we're certainly having our growing pains, but I'm very happy to see that everyone seems to see the benefit in it and isn't resistant to it. Yeah, as a business student, I think I love to see the direction that uh, the Sweaty Penguin is going and to see get awarded for all the hard work that's been going on for years now. And uh, I, I joined eight months ago. And uh, even the shifts in those eight months, I've seen drastic changes. When you see efficiency of everybody increase and every, yeah, everything just getting better as time goes on and whatnot. And we, we continue to make that shift. And it's, it's fun, very fun to be a part of because I think it's something that you don't get to do when you come out of university a lot of the time. You join a, a big corporation um, and you don't really get to see the, the growing pains and everything that goes into companies like that. Um, so especially from a business standpoint, it's very cool and enjoyable for me to do. And I pretty much learn something every day. When I joined last summer, it was kind of like a fun side activity. That's how it seemed like to me. But as time has gone on, I'm glad the team and especially Ethan realized like the sweaty penguin can be something that is a lot bigger. Um, And coming from the journalistic standpoint as well, I'm just glad that we have the opportunity to get more exposure. It's always been fun to be on the team and to make episodes and do our articles, but it also feels really good when we're growing and you see that more people are paying attention to you. 
Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, my last question before we jump into our Kahoot. Um, what is each of your favorite Sweaty Penguin episode? I always love the food episodes. And that's the one I said in my interview. I will say my favorite Ask Me Anything moment is actually happening this week. The episode I'm editing right now, which will come out on Friday the 27th. At the end of the Ask Me Anything, someone said, I'm a really big fan. I've been a longtime listener. And I felt heartwarmed. <laughs> I've never heard someone say that in an Ask Me Anything in a tip of the iceberg. And it was just so cute. It was so heartwarming to be like, oh, this person's been listening. This person is excited that their question's being taken. So that's my favorite tip of the iceberg moment. For episodes, I think I'd have to go back and do a re-listen. I remember the chocolate one being specifically very good, though. Oh, I love the chocolate one. And yeah, that... That was great. We've been doing some more Ask Me Anythings where listeners can call in. And if ever you're interested in doing that, please email me, reach out on social media. We can set that up. Um, Those have been really fun. And it was great to hear that feedback as well. I think for me, it might sound a little biased, but I have the Eastern Hemlocks was the first one that I really worked a lot on. Um, That was really cool process for me to be a part of. And then when I finally listened to it after everything had been edited and it was, yeah, it was wild. Putting something together was super, super wild to me. Um, favorite moment though was in the most recent, the Montney Formation. I think Maddie had this song where she, or well, she sings her edit of Stacy's mom. And uh, I think if you haven't listened to that, you have to go listen to that because that's probably my favorite part. That song is incredible. <laughs> I don't know how she got that, that accurate. Like I was out running an errand when she sent it and i was like walking i think i was going to the post office i was like i have to listen while i walk over and i was just blown away i always talk about like people will come to me and be like are you ever nervous you're gonna run out of topics because you've done so much and i'm like no not really because we can cover any food any animal any fossil fuel project like there's just so much out there but the eastern hemlocks was kind of not the first time we covered forest or tree or that type of ecosystem, but it was the first time we like zeroed in on something that specific and it made for an entire episode. And we've got one on red spruce coming up that you're also writing. So I guess that will be a trend too. I also love like when like an event comes out, like I remember Hurricane Ian um, last season was something that was really pressing and there was like, uh, tip of the iceberg, I think. And then also my article that kind of went hand in hand. I love when that happens. But I think my favorite episode of all time, just because of nostalgia, has to be like the rubber episode. I'm going like way back. I was just listening to it. And this was like during the 2020 pandemic season, like at 5 a.m. Sweaty Penguin on Spotify. And in my head, I love this guy's voice. And like, that that was like the rubber episode was the first one. And then I came here. Literally, probably 99% of the reason was because of your voice even. Well, I'm sure Megan hates my voice by now listening every single week. But <laughs> I'm glad you said that too, because I have to throw back to the PIFAS episode. PIFAS episode is so good. And also, if you watched Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, he did a PIFAS episode last year. And I mean, Ethan out here. He's a game changer. 
ahead of the game, John Oliver wishes he could be <laughs> John Oliver's came out a few weeks after ours, and the introduction was almost identical. And that's a long list of times where John Oliver has copied us or gaslit us. Um, any longtime listeners know all the way back to episode 18 on wastewater treatment plants when um, John Oliver went after my hometown of Danbury or the town I was born right next to where I live. And so I ripped him a new one and then he didn't respond, but just put multiple penguin jokes into his show. And um, I was like, okay, you clearly listen to this and you're just not saying anything. And then we did like a thing where we mentioned a fun fact about octopuses and then he mentioned it on his show like immediately after so yeah um but no the rubber episode was really fun and i am way too proud of the fact that it's episode 69 on rubber yeah with that we will uh head to a break and then come back for our kahoot it's not your first choice of snack, or even your second or third. But gas station sushi is one thing, reliable. When you're starving on a road trip, gas station sushi will always be there, a little discolored and completely unlabeled. When it was made is an extraneous detail. Do wine and cheese need an expiration date? It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's the only thing left. Gas station sushi. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back to our bonus episode of The Sweaty Penguin. It is time for our Kahoot. So we've done season two, season three, and season four. As you all know, after we did those three, we did a championship with the winners of those three with some tip of the iceberg questions. Hallie won that. We are on to season five. So this is episodes 81 to 100. I think a lot of these earlier ones are before you guys joined the team, so I'll be curious to see what all you know. I went medium difficulty this time. I went really hard the first time and then have eased up since then, but this one I think should be good, so let's do it. So we are starting with episode 81 on climate migration. And this is probably the hardest question in this whole thing. What is the difference between asylees and refugees? Refugees are fleeing war zones and asylees are not. Refugees are designated by the UN and asylees are still seeking protection. Refugees are fleeing because of climate and asylees are for other reasons or there is no difference. It is, refugees are designated by the UN and asylees are still seeking protection. Who got that one? It was me! <laughs> Megan! I got it! Off to a good start! <laughs> Off to a good start. How did you come to that answer? I wish I could tell you it was 100% the sweaty penguin that taught me this, but I knew that refugees were more of designated by the UN because in general it is war zones or something that's forced you out of Whereas asylees, I'm assuming, is a shorthand of asylum, like comes from the same word. Yeah. 
that's exactly right. Asylee is short for asylum seeker, which means they are seeking that uh, asylum or refugee designation. So Megan takes the lead. Owen and Melina have plenty of time to get back into it, though. Uh, question two, which is on episode 82, Stormwater. Which of these stormwater solutions is an example of gray infrastructure? Swales, gutters, green roofs, or rain gardens? It is gutters, and two people got this one. Who was it? Um, it was not me. Okay, so Melina and Megan. Uh, Melina, how did you get this one? I knew this from just general research with my Urban Heat Islands article, but just gray infrastructure versus like clean infrastructure. Um, the color really helps like give you that hint, but like with gutters, like it's just um, the water doesn't really go anywhere, unlike all the other options. Exactly. Uh, green infrastructure would be some sort of natural setup or mimicking natural processes. So a swale would be like grassy little trench that you might see on the side of a road. Green roofs and rain gardens speak for themselves. Question three. This is on episode 83, El Yunque National Forest. And the question is, where is El Yunque National Forest? Nicaragua, Turks and Caicos, Dominican Republic, or Puerto Rico? It is Puerto Rico. Who got it? Owen's on the board. How did you get this one? I didn't really have any rhyme or reason for this one. No, no real one for that one. Well, you're on the board. Puerto Rico is correct. And we talked a lot in that episode about how the forest had been hit hard by Hurricane Maria and a lot of the kind of work to bounce back, but also the remarkable resiliency of the forest. So definitely was an interesting episode. Question four on housing. Which household appliance consumes the most water? Toilet, shower, faucet, or clothes washer? It is the toilet, and no one got this one right. Uh, this is actually ranked in order of the amount of water each appliance consumes, so toilet definitely is the highest. Episode 85 on cannabis. What percent of Colorado statewide emissions come just from cannabis? 0.5%, 0.9%, 1.3%, or 1.7%? It is 1.7% and no one got it again. Wow. <laughs> We're not doing too hot to you. That was way smaller than I, or way higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and it's actually 1% of electricity nationwide. So back in that episode, the reason was in large part because even though cannabis is legal in a lot of states and legal for uh, medical uses in a lot of other states, since it's illegal nationally, that means you can't travel with cannabis across state lines, even if it's from one legal state to another legal state, that's still considered drug trafficking. So each state has to grow their own cannabis and most states are not suited for outdoor cannabis growth which means they have to grow it inside greenhouses which consume a lot of energy and thus a lot of emissions so there you go episode 86 on ice shelves why was the conger ice shelf collapse in march uniquely concerning it was the first ice shelf collapse in history 
It was the largest ice shelf to ever collapse. It was in East Antarctica, or it significantly worsened sea level rise. It was in East Antarctica, and two people got it. Who got it? I got that one. Um, I got that one as well. Somewhere I heard that from the episode, I know. I remember East Antarctica, and I remember looking at it specifically on the map and just like thinking about that. Yeah, so Greenland and West Antarctica are melting very fast, but East Antarctica's climate has been relatively stable, so the fact that an ice shelf collapsed there was of particular concern. The other three statements there were completely false. Ice shelf collapses do not directly worsen sea level rise. They're already in the ocean. What does worsen sea level rise is when glaciers fall into the ocean because then it's like dropping new ice into the ocean and then you're rising the levels. So Owen moves up into second. Megan still with the lead. On to episode 87 on population growth. Thomas Malthus theorized in 1798 that population growth would one day outpace the growth of what? Food production, water availability, housing construction, or clothing manufacturing. And that was pretty much instant. Everyone got food production correct. Uh, who wants to chime in? I learned that in a political science course, <laughs> and that's something that I remembered, so... I was dead set that it was wheat, and then none of the options had anything to do with food except for food production, and I really thought it was going to be wheat, so I was like, all in on food production. <laughs> no, somehow, like, wheat also pops into my mind <laughs> when I was thinking about this, but also, I think I skimmed over the, the script, and it just, like, um, reminded me of something I learned in AP Human Geography. Yeah, population growth has come up more recently because... The global population surpassed 8 billion people in November, and I wrote an op-ed on it that was largely inspired by this episode about how population is not the cause of our environmental concerns. We can completely sustain a large population and still be environmentally sensible. That got published in C3 News Mag and then led to a gajillion TV and radio interviews, which was really fun. So this episode has been very fresh on the mind. Everyone goes up. Megan keeps her lead. Episode 88. Which of these seahorse fun facts is false? Seahorses are monogamous. Male seahorses carry the babies. Seahorses are great swimmers or seahorses dance with their mate every morning. It is seahorses are great swimmers and two people got it. Which ones? I got that one. I fact checked that episode and I specifically remember how much we talked about that. There we go. Do you remember why it mattered that they're terrible swimmers? Um, I believe ocean currents as they're increasing are, I guess seagrass was also being destroyed and they, they're getting pushed around and then float out to, to deeper waters where they, they're not protected. Yeah, essentially they can't migrate because um, of that. And so as climate change worsens their ecosystems and changes water temperatures and all that, they're kind of stuck in place and that's not good. So with that, Owen moves into the lead. 33.29, Megan is at 31.99, Melina's right on their tail at 24.72. Episode 89 on climate anxiety, 
Which generation, according to Pew Research Center polling, is the most climate anxious? Boomers, Gen X, Millennials, or Gen Z? And that was pretty easy, everyone. Got that right? That was Gen Z. Are we all Gen Z in this little cahoot? I think so. Megan, we're the oldest and we're Gen Z, so. So um. Gen Z and so climate anxious. That's us. <laughs> I think this episode was kind of meta in some ways because my original interest in climate was not so much an interest as it was being freaked out, but I wanted to find a way to make it less overwhelming because I had no desire to learn about it early on. And so in creating this podcast, I think we've been very successful at doing that. Um, but I also think I've observed that as much as there's kind of the traditional climate anxiety you think of of people scared out of their minds on social media, we also have people who are just scared to learn anything because they think it will not jive with their political views or what have you, and so they just don't bother to learn that information. So I hope that we at The Sweaty Penguin can kind of help combat that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think also the sweaty penguin helps with just people who are who want to learn um, and sometimes can get bogged down with how much information there are is out there and how some people approach it not from like a a funny standpoint and some people struggle to to stay engaged with something when it's straight facts. Owen has a streak with four correct answers in a row. Well done, Owen. On to episode ninety on milk. Which state is the leading producer of dairy? California, Texas, Wisconsin, or Idaho? It is California, and nobody got that right. I thought it was going to be Wisconsin, but then as soon as I chose Wisconsin, I thought to myself, that's the answer he threw in there to mislead me from the real answer, which is not Wisconsin. I have a friend that's from Wisconsin and talks about cows all the time. So I got led astray. I'm sorry, sweaty penguin. I trusted this, like, you know, secondary source when I should have been thinking about the episode. I'm sorry. Uh, Wisconsin is a high dairy producing state, as are all of these. But California is certainly the leader, which I find hilarious because I've been living in California now for about a year and a half and this is the one place where if I ask for milk and I'd say I want cow milk they give me a look like I'm a terrible person <laughs> which I am an active milk drinker I uh Frank our uh former sound editor and I would joke about how we're like the only two people that drink a glass of milk every day and we're also pretty short so I don't know how that happened but definitely Interesting that California is the leader there. So we are halfway through at this point, and Owen's got a narrow lead, but we are on to episode 91 on bees. Every January, beekeepers across the country ship their bees to California to pollinate what crop? Grapes, persimmons, almonds, or walnuts? It's almonds, and everyone got it. Yeah. For me, I learned this one from, I, I can't remember what I did with this episode. I think it was a visual cue sheet, maybe, but I definitely remember that part of it. 
I think the social media team um, made really good graphics for this episode. I don't know. I feel like there was just like an association between the bees and the almonds. I knew reading the question, I remembered it being a nut. And then when I saw the choices of almonds and walnuts, I was very sure that there was almonds. Yeah, we actually had a bee episode and an almond episode just a couple weeks apart from each other. And not only that, the milk episode right before all that so we kind of had four episodes within three weeks or three three episodes within four weeks that almonds came up in which was kind of wild i called july 2022 almond month this was such an interesting episode the fact that there were beehive heists in california each year when beekeepers would send their bees out and then people would steal entire beehives and that was wild definitely this is one of my favorite episodes so Go check that out. Also, my terrible Seinfeld impression is in there. So now we're on to episode 92, our first carbon bomb episode, the Gawar oil field. Which of these facts about the Gawar oil field is false? It's the world's largest oil field. It's the world's highest emitting fossil fuel projects. It's rocks are high porosity or it's onshore. It is not the world's highest emitting fossil fuel project and no one got it. I mixed that one up with Mozambique with the onshore one. I'd worked on both of those and I was and I realized right after I clicked the button. I also realized after I hit it. So the fact that those other three things that it is the world's largest oil field that it's high porosity and that it's onshore are kind of the three reasons why the oil there is so accessible and because of that it's super super cheap and so while a lot of the projects that we've gone over are ones where it's like, oh, it's so difficult to get the oil and we have to use all these different technologies, this one, it's actually very easy. And that's kind of one of the unique things about Gawar oil field. So now we're on to episode 93 on almonds. How many gallons of water are required to produce one glass of almond milk? 8, 16, 32, or 64? 16. No one got it. I just thought it was so many. So I chose the biggest number immediately because I knew it was way more versus how good almond milk tastes. Well, that is true. Um, But I think what stood out to me in doing the episode, because I always thought like, oh, almond milk requires so much water. And that was such a thing that you hear. First off, it's not as much as dairy. But second... Every nut requires a lot of water because it creates a it requires more energy for a plant to create a protein than a sugar and so nuts have protein so they just require more water and that becomes a challenge in California where there's a drought even though the numbers sound big like a lot of things require way more water than we realize so I remember our expert kind of reminding us that we shouldn't vilify almonds as much as some people have. This was also the episode with the Californian sketch, which I re-listened to today. That was incredible. Episode 94, this was Owen's first outline on skiing. At what temperature is snow most likely to form? The colder the better, around 15 degrees Fahrenheit, around freezing, or the warmer the better? It's around freezing, and who got it? 
I got that one, obviously, hey. <laughs> <laughs> from working on it, I think. I just uh, remember that. I also grew up in Whistler um, in Canada, which is like a major ski town. And I think you just kind of see that when you're when you're living around there. Snow tends to fall more when it's a little bit warmer than when you're bundled up. You tend to just feel wind a lot more. <laughs> yeah, so I was reviewing today, basically... The hotter it is, the more opportunity there is for water to evaporate. So if it's really cold, then you're just not going to have as many clouds because there's less water going up. So I think the kind of ideal range for snow actually extends a little bit above 32 because even if you get up to like 40, it's going to be colder higher up in the atmosphere because... The pressure is different and everything, so snow can still form and then it won't have melted by the time it hits the ground. So that was very interesting to me because I think I wouldn't have just observed that in my daily life, but hearing that, it makes total sense. So with that, Owen extends his lead, um, but Megan and Melina are still absolutely in striking distance. We're on to episode 95 on the Haynesville Shale. When did natural gas development take off in the Haynesville Shale? 1941, 1969, 1987, or 2008? It's 2008, and who got it? Um, I got that one. Uh, definitely from working on that episode a little bit, um, and I think with the development of fracking was what really helped that, that shale take off. Yeah, at this point, Owen is into the research room, so... He's, he's ready. Yeah, fracking really took off around 2008. And like we were talking about with Gawar, that field is so easy. The Haynesville Shale, it's like 10,000 feet deep to get to the natural gas. So you need technologies like fracking to viably do it. And so that's around when that happened. I think on behalf of um, Megan and I, uh, we're so sorry for disappointing our parents and family, our loved ones and friends. Um, this is, I, I am dropping the ball. This is so sad. I am. We are. <laughs> We're dropping the ball. Owen is running away with it. There is no excuse. <laughs> it took him a while to get on the board, but once he did, it was over. <laughs> I will tell you, in the season two Kahoot, um, it was Frank, Caroline, and Shannon, and Caroline looked like she was running away with it. And then Shannon had like a run on the last five questions or so and got the win. And that was like legendary. So do not count yourself out just yet. It is totally possible. So we're on to episode 96 on monarch butterflies. Which plant do monarch caterpillars exclusively dine on? The ironweed, the milkweed, the sunflower, or the coneflower? It's the milkweed. Who got it? I got one. Molina did. Molina. It was not. It was not Megan. Redemption arc. <laughs> Molina's making her comeback. How did you get this one? I think this was um, general knowledge for me. I think there was just like a lot of graphics. Yeah, this was a very interesting episode. And I think a lot of the issues that were affecting monarch butterflies are actually issues affecting milkweed that then extend to monarch butterflies so that was a useful piece of information that said the adult butterflies actually will feed on any four of these plants so 
It's just the caterpillars that are exclusive to Milkweed. So with that, Melina moves into second. Owen is extending that lead, though. Let's see if anyone can catch him. Episode 97 on Cryptocurrency. Which of these cryptocurrencies use proof-of-work technology? Bitcoin, Cardano, Polkadot, or Avalanche? Melina and Megan? We're Is making a comeback come brewing? No. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be Mr. Finance, Owen. What, what's, what's up here? I, I know. I overthought it. I don't know. I... <laughs> I thought no way it can be Bitcoin being the biggest. Who who wants Owen's Bachelor of Commerce? It's up for grabs now. I'm gonna get kicked out tomorrow, I think. Melina or Megan, how did you come to Bitcoin? I had never heard of the other ones. There you go. Better question. Do any of you remember what proof of work means? Is it like what it sounds like? Proof of work? <laughs> Is that the dictionary definition? <laughs> Now, now I really, I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I yeah, will not so... be taking Owen's degree, but yes, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's just because Bitcoin, like being the most popular and the most expensive, they wouldn't want people to just buy it. And I know like within like economics, like there's way for like retail investors to just mess with like the market. So um, I guess they just want to make sure that it's like a more secure way of like trading yeah basically any currency needs to have a finite amount of it or else it becomes worthless and so uh but you want more currency entering the pool all the time so uh bitcoin uses proof of work where basically you can mine bitcoins and the way you do that is you set up supercomputers to solve all these puzzles and if your computer can solve the puzzle before the other computers, then you get the Bitcoin. And so people set up these supercomputers to try to solve these puzzles. And because the puzzles are so difficult, it takes up an enormous amount of electricity to do this, which is why you have probably heard Bitcoin uses a ridiculous amount of energy. A lot of other currencies are using something called proof of stake, which these three are. Um, Ethereum, which is the second most popular crypto is transitioning to proof of stake and that system uses a lot less energy so um, definitely exciting to see some people moving over so with that uh, they pick up a little ground on Owen you'll probably need to be perfect the rest of the way through but we will see we're on to episode 98 on the Ravuma Basin which Owen researched <laughs> Where is the Ravuma Basin? South Africa, Uganda, Seychelles, or Mozambique? It's Mozambique. Who got it? I was one of them. As soon as I chose it, I knew it was wrong. I chose Uganda, and I knew it was wrong the second I chose it. I slipped in Uganda because I mentioned a Uganda pipeline in my email to the team last week. <laughs> yeah, it is Mozambique. Owen, do you want to talk a little bit about that episode? I think that was the first carbon bomb. Yeah, that was the carbon bomb that I worked on the most, other than the Montney Formation, which recently came out. And yeah, it was uh, obviously it was different than what I worked on in the past so far, and it was uh, pretty eye-opening. Everything that's going on, and 
how how Mozambique it extends past just being a climate issue into a lot of social issues happening in Mozambique, um, and that was pretty interesting and insightful to see. Yeah, it is quite literally in a war zone, and I've had professors sometimes ask, like, "Oh, do you think you'll be able to do comedy on this topic?" I'm like, "Well, we did that episode, so I think we can." do this random food that we're talking about. But yes, it is Mozambique. That was a really interesting episode, so go check that out. So Owen moves up. Melina, if you go perfect and Owen misses the next two, you still got a shot. We are on to episode 99. Avocado orchards have expanded into a UNESCO World Heritage Site that is famously home to which animal? Green sea turtle, vaquita porpoise, monarch butterfly, or scarlet macaw? It's the monarch butterfly. Who got it? Owen and? It was me. Megan. (laughs) I'm back in it, guys. (laughs) She's back. Megan, did you have any thoughts on this one? I think I might have been a part of the team maybe when this was mentioned i think it was mentioned in the tip of the iceberg as well yeah the this was the other time where two episodes were super close to each other and had a common thread so that was and we didn't know when we were planning it so that was a fun surprise owen extends his lead i think he's got it in the bag but let's we're still playing for second where is the northernmost penguin habitat the North Pole, the Galapagos Islands, Madagascar, or Antarctica? Galapagos. Who got it? I got that one. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't, I can't remember why I knew that. Well, I've worked with almost all the episodes kind of for doing visual cue sheets. Um, so I touch a little bit on every single one. So I just found. With that one, I had heard of that before, (laughs) somehow. (laughs) Yes, the Galapagos is the only northern hemisphere spot where you can find penguins, but they are all over the southern hemisphere. So in third place, we have Megan with 6,873 points. In second place, we have Melina with 7,051. And in first place with 10,283, Owen. Yeah. Speech. Um, I did this one for Canada. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you to all my fans out there. Helped support me, brought me here. My family, of course. Couldn't have done it without everybody. Well, congratulations, Owen, and we have less than a minute on this Zoom, so it's about to kick us off. But thank you to all three of you for joining us, and congrats again. Thank you. It was fun. You deserved it, Owen. <laughs> you, you did. Job. Season six Kahoot is not far off. We'll have it to isn't. see. <laughs> we'll see who our next champion is. But for now, Owen, the crown is yours. Congratulations. Yay. Thank y'all. This wraps up our bonus episode of The Sweaty Penguin. Take two minutes, help out the show, and get a shout-out at the end of the show by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcast or Podcast Addict and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thesweatypenguin. You get merch, bonus content, and so much more. And while I'm not Ethan, I will see you next week for Tip of the Iceberg. 
I always wanted to do that.